one from the Amplified. Do you know, Keith said this the other night, and it blessed me so. I, was, I, I get to watch the messages sometimes when he's on the road because sometimes I get a little secret link sometimes. And he said this, and I thought, you know, this is so true. He said, the devil does not care how religious you are. He does not care how religious you are. He doesn't care how much you come to church. He doesn't care how much you read your Bible. He doesn't care. He cares about how much you love God and you do what He says. That's what He cares about. He doesn't care about all the other stuff. He doesn't care about how religious you are. You can sit here and take notes all day long. But until you apply something that's in that book, that proves you love the Lord. Amen. If he can keep you into just hearing it, he could care less how much words you get in you. He could care less how much Bible you read or how many hours a day you listen to tapes or all that other stuff. It's until you begin to love God enough to actually do something with it that he begins to care. I thought that was really good. You don't care? I care. care. All right. Amplified. Verse 1. Blessed. How many of you hear that word a lot? Blessed. Listen listen to what it means. Happy. How many of you are blessed? That should mean that you're what? Let's try that one more time. Blessed. That, That equals happy. Blessed equals... Happy. How many of you would say you're blessed? That equals happy. Inform your spouse. Inform the person sitting next to you that blessed means? It means happy. Okay? If you're blessed, you're happy. You're fortunate. You're prosperous. You're enviable is the man who walks and lives in the counsel, not in the counsel of the ungodly. That means he does not follow the ungodly's advice or their plans or their purposes, nor stand in the path where sinners walk, nor sit down where the scornful or mockers gather. In other words, you ain't hanging out and listening to sinners or the worldly and their opinions about stuff. Now, that's saying a lot. How many of you are blessed? How many of you want to stay blessed? You better quit turning, listening to what the TV says. You better quit listening to what the people in the world say and their opinions about stuff if you want to stay blessed. That's how we stay blessed. We don't listen to their stuff. We listen to God's stuff. Listen to that verse 2 and it'll tell you that. Um, 84.12, Psalms. It's my verse 2 here. Psalms 84.12 in the Amplified. I'm just going to read you a couple of scriptures today and then I'm going to tell you some stories you'll like. We've had a lot of teaching lately, so we'll, we'll do a little bit different today. Psalms 84.12 in the Amplified. O Lord of hosts, bless. What does blessed equal? Happy. 
happy, fortunate, to be envied, prosperous, is the man who trusts in you, is the man who trusts in you, the man who trusts in what? His job, his ability to do something, his spouse, no, who trusts in the Lord, leaning and believing on you, which means the Lord, committing all. What does all mean? What does all mean? Look it up on your phone. Somebody look it up on your phone. What does all mean? What can you leave out when you say all? If they say put all the ingredients in, what does that mean? If they say invite all your friends, what does that mean? What does all mean? Does that mean all in this church can come? That means everybody, anybody, all. You can't, if you say all, you almost have to say all again, right? That means all. That means committing all. Now, I went into it the last time I spoke. That doesn't mean that you can leave out part of your life and save it the part that you like, that you don't want to give to the Lord. Like some people, like Keith says, he heard one preacher say that they committed all but their billfold. They held it up out of the water. You know. No, it just means all, that they commit every part of their life to the Lord. Amen. Every part. There's no part of your life that you don't commit to the Lord. Now, that's easier said than done. Because a lot of people don't commit their kids to the Lord. They try to fix them themselves. And a lot of people don't commit their spouses to the Lord. They tell them what to do all the time themselves. Huh? And a lot of people don't forgive anybody. Because they don't commit it to the Lord. What does committing to the Lord mean? All. Huh? It's easy to say that. See how quiet it got? It means committing all. It means everything. You don't try to fix it. It means you just give it to Him. Somebody steps on your toe. Messes up your shoes. Oh, Lord, they didn't mean to. You've heard Keith say it. She just tripped. Scuffed up my shoe. I give it to you, Lord. Somebody talks about you. You know what I've decided? There's a lot of people that talk about me. I know even some of my staff have talked about me in in years. But when people talk about... I know church members have talked about me. But what I've come to find out when people talk about you... It just shows how insecure they are. Amen. Because what they're trying to do is, is they're trying to get that person to like them to prove something about themselves, that they know more about you or that they're more secure than the other person is or, or something like that. Or they're trying to step on somebody else's toes to prove they know something about you. Or it, There's lots of reasons for it, but it proves their insecurity. Not my insecurity. I don't even know about it. Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. He used to say, um, I've been criticized by experts. 
You little spurts don't bother me at all. (laughs) But what that means is you learn to grow up and not let dumb little things bother you. So what I'm talking about is you commit all to the Lord. Everything in your life. Why would we worry about anything at all if we're committing all to the Lord? He gave us all and he told us not to worry. He took our peace, the chastisement of our peace, so we didn't have to worry. If he did that for us and committed all for us, that meant we have to commit all back to him to be clear of it. Right? What if somebody does talk about you and they make you look really, 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 really bad? We've had people do it. What if they do? Can they really change who you are in the Lord? They can't. All they can do is if you will listen to them and believe them, it will make you feel more insecure. That's all it does is it makes you feel more insecure. You need to just look to the Lord and say, Lord, is that how you see me? He'll say, absolutely not. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Get up from there. Lift your head up. Forget them. Let's go. You got a job to do. Let's do it. Commit all. Okay? So let's go on. And confidently looking to you and that without fear or misgiving. You should put this scripture on your refrigerator or on your door or anything. Let's read it again all together. Lord of hosts... Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied, not talked about, is the man who trusts in you, leaning and believing on you, committing all and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. So that's what we do. All of Keith in my life... I mean, as soon as we got married, I guess it was like immediately. You've heard him tell the stories about how we started looking for him to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So as soon as we got married, we started putting the things of the Lord first in our lives. He started looking to the Lord about what we should do. You heard him talking about going out into the field, desiring the things of the Lord. Well, we went to Ramah not long after we got married. So we've been in church, I dare say, we've been in church services 80% of our lives. Brother Hagen used to have five seminars a week. We were in school. We were in seminars morning afternoon and night, and then we were all in all of Brother Copeland's meetings. I've probably been in more services. Gloria and I were counting them up the other day, and I started attending them the same time she started attending them. Morning, noon, and night. Sometimes, you know, if you've been in any of Brother Copeland's, you know, um, you're in a lot of services. And um, so we've got a lot of word in us. But during that time, when we went to Ramah, 
Keith was getting a lot of word into him. And the Lord dealt with me that I was supposed to work. Because he was supposed to get as much as he could during that time. Well, I thought at that time, the way that you got anything in this life, you earned it. And I still believe you're supposed to work. Don't make me say something I didn't say. I believe if you don't work, you won't have the things that God's planned for you to have. There's a purpose for it. But today I want you to see some things a little differently maybe than you've seen them before. And I'm going to say some striking things to you today. And yes, I did talk to Keith Moore about it. People think I'm afraid of Keith. He's my greatest fan. He sat there yesterday, Phil, I don't know why you get so concerned. I don't know. You have so much in you. I mean, and bragged on me for a solid hour. Get up there. Do what you have. In. And I'm like, okay, okay. And, but anyways, because I was ready to let Dave do today. And so, uh, but anyways, um, I worked. And I brought in a lot of money. It got to a point to where I was bringing in, working and doing my own consulting. After I did some other things, I was doing my own consulting business, and I was bringing in $1,000 a day. I know how to work. Dan and I know how to work. Rob and I know how to I mean, we work. When we work, we work. We're not afraid of work. But there can be a problem on the other side of that. Because you learn to trust in yourself that you can make it happen. You can make it happen. You know how to make it happen. Keith wanted it. I worked. I got it. If he wanted a Corvette, I worked. I got it. If he wanted this, I worked. I got it. I. Do you hear what I said? I got it. We wanted a a different house. I worked. I got it. But it was hard because I was away from him. And I wasn't doing a stinking thing for the Lord. Nothing. Matter of fact, I got in trouble with the Hagans over it. You've heard me tell the story. Because I was working so much. To get what our flesh desired. Mm -hmm. Cars and houses and lands and all the things your flesh thinks it wants. Clothes and jewelry and we were getting it. I mean, I was making money. So much so we got in big trouble with the IRS because I didn't know enough about paying taxes then. We were dumb and young and stupid. But we were getting it. And all of a sudden, in the middle of making all that money, God said, what about me? He woke me up in the nighttime. He's had a habit of doing that with me. If it's something really serious going on with somebody on our staff or something going on in a life or something, he'll wake me up just straight out of a dead sleep and he'll just, I'll just sit straight up and he'll tell me something. He said, what are you doing for me? 
just like that. He said, I want you to go to Lynette and tell her you will work for her. Well, she was quite pleased. So she put me over the admissions office and the dean's secretary. And I worked there for years. But my pay went to down like an eighth of what it was, a sixteenth of what it was. But it set me on a different course. It set me on a different path. It set me thinking about the things about God more than the things about Phyllis and Keith and what they wanted and what they desired and where their flesh wanted to go. And I had to learn what God wanted for a change. I had to learn about how to do things somebody else's way in the God spectrum. Now, you know there's a world's way of doing things, and I had zero trouble at all doing it the world's way. I was good doing it the world's way. But when it came over to doing it God's way, that was a different story. I learned that I had to submit to the way Keith wanted the More Life Ministry office run. And I had been in the world running offices making $1,000 a day, and I thought I knew how to do it. But when I learned that I had to do it a more life ministry spiritual way, it was different than doing it the world's way. And we clashed. Because business in the world is not the same as business with God. God doesn't do things the same way the world does them. And it was like, I remember Keith telling this story about when he was playing the piano. When When he grew up, he played the piano all the time. But he played by ear. And he would go into his music class with his music teacher, and he would just play so beautifully. Because the teacher had played it for him, and he listened to her. And he had the book there with the notes in front of him. And she didn't have a clue. He wasn't playing the notes. (laughs) But when he actually had to learn to play with a band on the platform and not play by ear and actually start playing chords and playing all those other things, he had to relearn where to put his fingers on the piano. And he'd been playing since he was a small boy. But when he got to Rama and had to start doing that, he said, it's like I had, it was worse, actually, he said. Because it was like I knew where the sound was supposed to be, so I'd want to go to put my hand there, but it wouldn't be the chord they wanted to mix with everybody else. And he had to relearn everything totally again. And that's the way the things of God are and the things of, uh, the, things of the world are. Now, I'm telling you some important stuff here this morning if you're paying attention. Because I'm about to tell you how I bought houses and lands and how God gave me houses and lands and jewelry and buildings and things. Is anybody interested?
We bought a house. We paid for it. We, were do we, we did it. <coughs> then we got there. We worked at Rama. Keith worked there for years. Everything was going fine. Everything was going grandy-dandy. Then God said, go to Branson and start a church. That meant, even before that, let me look at my phone, what I fussed at these guys about. See, I don't think they answered me. Devin and, and Debbie Grubb, see, did y'all get that text? Before there, we were looking at houses and stuff, and I was working at Raymond. Now, I had bought a house. I had bought a house. But when I went to work for Rayma, making a sixteenth of what I was doing before, we started looking around. Well, let me tell you this story first. Let, let, let's do it this way first before I start telling you that. Let's look at some verses. Luke twelve twenty nine. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think I've read this to you before. We talked on this sermon too before we did this. Just this one verse, Luke 12, 29. You all know it. I'm not ready for those quite yet. Just wait for them. I just want to know if you found them or not. Put up Luke 12, 29. In the King James. Um... It says, seek not. Everybody see that in your Bible? Seek not. Say that with me. Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be uh, of a doubtful mind. For after these things the nations of the world seek after. That's not us. But then go on down to verse 31. And it says, but rather, what? Seek the, kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. And I never really understood that. I was seeking after the things of the world and making money. And God said, don't do that. He said, seek after me and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek after those things, Phyllis, but seek after me and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek that stuff, but seek after me and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek after all that stuff with your paycheck and working night and day and doing all the things you're doing, but seek after me and all these things will be added to you. So I started doing that. Now... Go ahead and put up Luke 6.38. You all know it. I just want to review some of these things with you. Then I'm going to get to the other part. I'm trying to get ahead of myself because I want to tell you the other part. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same me measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. The Living Bible says this. Give and you will receive. 
your gift will return to you in full. Now, this is the part that I don't want to erase people's doctrines. I don't want to make you fall out of your chairs. It has been taught from every pulpit that I've ever heard. And I'm just going to spit it out and spill my guts about it. How many of you remember the Shunammite woman that built the room in Kings for the prophet? How many of you remember that? What did she build him? Say it out loud, everybody. A room, a chamber, and she, what did she put in it? A bed, a lampstand. You all remember that correctly? I didn't make that up. That's put, go ahead and put it up there for me. Let's see, I have it right here. Second Kings 4.10. Let's see it in the Bible. Let's make a little chamber, bedroom, I pray thee, on the wall, and let's set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he'll turn in hither. Now, I'm going to change my subject. Remind me where I was in just a minute. Keith taught on this. Y'all remember not too long ago? And I was sitting there. And I was thinking about the prophets that have stayed in our home and the prophets that we've been able to be a part of their lives. And the Lord asked me a question. He asked me questions a lot. And he asked me a question. And I went straight out and talked to Keith about it. He said, oh, Phil, that's so good. I said, do you think that that prophet would have continued going to that woman's house if she was a whiny butt? I have ways of saying things. I talk to Keith the way he understands me. Or she was pulling on him for stuff. Or if she was asking for stuff. Or if she was needy. Or if she was bothering him. Or if she was asking him Bible questions all the time. Do you think he would have continued going there? If it wasn't relaxing to him and he didn't enjoy it. Do you think... If she would have been upset and unhappy all the time about not having a child, he would have continued going there. No. How many of you think he would have? So I'm going to say to you here and now today, I doubt seriously from the scripture reading he even knew it. Because look at the next verses. Put the next verse up. And it fell on that day that he came in hither and turned into the chamber and lay there. Keep going. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. Read it. And And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, You've been careful for us with all this care. What can be done for thee? He didn't know what she wanted. 
He had no clue what she wanted because she didn't tell him. So he's asking, what's your heart's desire? What do you want? What can we do for you? You've been so good to us. What can we do for you? And what would be spoken for the king or the captain or the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I don't need a thing. She still didn't tell him anything she wanted. She still didn't be a whiny butt. She still didn't spill her list out of things that she wanted. Keep going. And he said, what then is to be done for? And Gehazi answered, verily, she doesn't have any children, can't you see? And her husband is old. Okay, stop there. That's good enough. What did she do for him? She built him a what? And she cooked for him and she built him a room. What did God do for her? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did God do for her? He built her a new house. He built her a new room. He gave her some new furniture. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. She planted a bedroom. She planted some meals. What did God do for her? I think the body of Christ has gotten quite legalistic with God. You know what I think about Keith? I think a lot of times he knows what I like more than what I know that I like. And I know God knows what I need and like more than I know what I need and like. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with seed time and harvest, and I'm not saying any, there's anything wrong with planting a seed and believing for what you're believing for. But don't get so stinking legalistic about sowing exactly and never trusting God. Because God said if you give, He's going to give back to you. I'm going to get into more detail about it about in my own life. My father in the faith said, don't share anything unless you have two or three witnesses. You want another one? What did she sow? What did she sow? Did she sow a baby? No. She sowed a room. An honor. To God and the man of God. And what did God do with her? He honored her. He honored her. All right, let's look at another one. Let's look at another one. 
Uh, Luke 5, verse 2. Jesus is at the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing there by the lake. And the fishermen were gone out, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into the ship. And he preached on their boat. He stood there and he preached on their boat. Did those guys sow fishes to Jesus? No. Did Jesus eat a fish? No. How many fishes did Jesus eat? One, two, three. Buckle my knee, whatever it is. How many fish did Jesus eat? People have gotten quite legalistic about this stuff. If you want a fish, you sow a fish. If you want a boat, you sow a boat. If you want a wife, you list it off exactly what you want. Brown hair, blue eyes, green, green, green dress, pink fingernails. If you want a house, you write it down exactly what kind of house you want. Three bedrooms, two baths, pink walls, whatever. No, trust in God. No, just giving to God because you love Him. Amen. And you trust that if you just give to God, He loves you. No, just giving to God because you honor Him. And you know, because you honor Him, He's going to honor you. It's got to be this legalistic thing. I'm sowing this because I am believing for this. We've lost our honor and trust in God. And our sowing and our giving and our honor has become very legalistic. And my God has not got one ounce of legalism in him. Matter of fact, he talked to the Pharisees and Sadducees about doing things too legalistically. Jesus borrowed their boat. Did he say, now you go to the harbor, guys, and there's about 20 guys over there that's going to sow you their boats so that you can go out fishing, you can get your team together, you can have a boating, uh, fishing business now greater than you've ever had. You're going to have more boats than you've ever had. Matter of fact, they didn't have enough boat. They had to call their friends in because they didn't have enough boat. He gave them fishes, not boats. Some of you don't like it. You're looking at me like. That is B-I-B-L-E. What color is it in your Bible? All right. Let let me give you one more. Um, Let's see. I had another one here. Um, uh, Let's see where it went. Um, I know I had it here. 
I gotta find it. Hope I didn't leave it out. Somebody'll have to find it for me if I did. Or I'll just tell it to you. Where did it go? Anyways, I guess I'll have to tell it to you. I know I had it in my notes. Just a minute. Let me see. Can I find it? Somehow I've lost it. But anyway, I'll tell you about it. How many of you remember the story of the tax collectors and everybody coming to Peter? And they wanted their taxes. Temple guards? Is that what it was called in the, in the scripture? Temple guards. They were coming to Jesus and they say, Who, do you pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, we don't want to cause any trouble around here. Now, did, did Peter sow tax money to Jesus? Somebody refresh my memory. Anywhere in the scripture, does anybody remember Peter sowing tax money to Jesus? Somebody find me a scripture if you did. Write me a letter if you find anywhere in the scripture that Peter sowed tax money to Jesus. Somebody find that verse for me. We need to put it up there. Look it up. Google it, somebody, real quick. Matthew 17, 4. Try that. 24. Matthew 17, 24. Let's look at it. Somehow I get, it got missed out of my notes. Matthew 17, 24. Yeah. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Do you not, uh, doth not your master pay tribute? Keep going. And he said, Yeah. And when he was coming to the house, Peter prevented him from saying, no, 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 Keep going. Yeah, that's what that said in tongues. Peter said unto him, uh, No, keep going. Um, here, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up a fish. And that first that comes up, when thou hast opened his mouth, thou find a piece of money and take it and give for... For who? For who? For who? For who? Did Peter sow tax money to Jesus? So how can Jesus give him tax money? No, he sowed his life to Jesus. He sowed everything he had to Jesus. He sold who he was to Jesus. He honored Jesus. He was with Jesus. I've been around the Copelands a lot of times. And I was around Brother Hagen and them lots of times. And there's a lot of things I didn't sow to them. But there was a lot of things they sowed to me that wasn't exactly the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I honored them... They would give me things I never gave them. I can remember times, Brother Copeland, I never gave him some bags to carry his computer in. He went out personally 
and bought me the nicest Louis Vuitton set for traveling. It's got pink on the inside, got my initials on it. I never gave him anything like that. I've given him other stuff. But what if I'd had to sew that exact kind of thing, a, pa- a carry thing for him to try? I wouldn't have thought about it. But I use it every time I go somewhere. Every time. It's always getting on the airplane. Is it not, Cheryl, getting on the, that, my Louis Vuitton with the pink in the middle? It's always getting on the airplane. I didn't even know I needed it. But if we get so legalistic that we have to know every... Do you know everything that's out there in the whole wide world? You only know what you know. And I think it's vitally important that we get out of our head that we have to sow exactly what we want. I think it's more important that we honor God with our hearts and with our souls and with our giving and with our lives. Now I can get into the other. So we left and we went to Branson. Dan and Rob and me and Dave and several other guys. We got stinking busy building that church. The two churches. We started doing the Remington. How many weeks did we have? Four weeks or something like that? Four or five weeks? We were working I'm literally night and day. I think we were getting two or three hours of sleep. And we had seen a house up there. Well, we were living. We, you've heard this, tell the story. Do we have a picture? Kind of put, put the ones up that you had. I want people to know kind of where we came from. See what we got. I don't know what they came up with. I texted them while they... That's why I was fussing at them. Go ahead, guys. That was our first house. Isn't that pretty? Imitation, red leather, no insulation. That was our uh, third house. We actually... That wasn't shoot em up alley. That was kind of our third house on the third floor that we had to go down to the fir- basement for the washeteria. Up and down and up and down. You didn't need aerobics. Go. That was the second one right there. Shoot him up alley with trigger. Yeah. That trigger, trigger was Keith's truck. And when we would go, we lived, that was a block from downtown. And we'd go downtown maybe to eat or something. And, the, and it was uh, three on the column. And the gears would get stuck. And he'd have to get out and raise the hood and redo the linkage on it. Yeah. That's what we had. Okay. And the next door, no, that was our lake house. Keep going. Now, that was the house in Branson, I mean, in in Tulsa. This is the one I'm going to tell you about. So uh, that's the one that we sowed to be able to go to Branson. But that's the one that the Lord gave us. There was a foreclosure. We walked up to it. It looked just worse, really bad. And there was nobody in it. And I said, Keith, let's check on that. And um, that's when I had, the Lord woke me up in the nighttime and said, go talk to Lynette. The houses before that, I had bought. And paid almost what I paid for that one. That was a foreclosure. We got it for pennies on the dollar. We closed on it, didn't get to move into it. We moved our our clothes into it, but didn't get to move into it for two years because we were on the road with the Hagans. I mean, we were in it, but we didn't, you couldn't tell it. People would come in and say, are you moved in? And 
We sold it for triple what we paid for it. But God did it. We didn't have the money to get it. I remember just explicitly. We went to a service one night, and we were sitting in the car. Janet Parker said this. We got a call on the phone walking into the closing office. We needed exactly $62,000 to close on it because we had no credit. $62,000. We got a phone call, and they said, you just got an offering for $65,000. Walking into the office. Janet said, thank God for f- cell phones. <laughs> it's the truth. We, didn't, we, we did not do this. God did this. Okay, keep going. Okay, this is the house that I'm talking about now. Just keep it up. And I'm going to tell you the story behind this house. We went to Branson and we sold the other house. And we put the money in the ministry to be able to start the church because we didn't have any people in the congregation. That's the one Keith tells about that somebody had just given me a wad of money to refix the interior. So we were working night and day on ministry. I wasn't working on anything else. I was working getting the church going. I was working doing whatever we needed to do to do church stuff. I wasn't, we weren't taking vacations. We weren't taking days off. We weren't doing anything. I was working night and day. And we were staying in that little bitty teeny weeny house. It was a two bedroom, I think. And and the golf balls every Sunday would hit and break a window. And so Monday morning they were over there while we were at work fixing the window. And Keith was trying to rest. Or Saturday they'd do it too. And so he's trying to rest and get ready for Sunday and they'd be breaking windows. I don't know anything about golf, so somebody was telling me they were slicing, whatever that means. (laughs) Slicing tomato, I don't know. (laughs) But, so anyway, and it didn't have any hot water. We'd have to go out to the garage and restart the hot water and read like the pilot and redo these things, and then it still wouldn't work. So anyway, I'm continuing. We looked at this house because somebody told me about it. It was like the only one in Branson at that time. This is 20 years ago. And um, it was like the only house in Branson or the only subdivision in Branson at that time. So I looked at it, and I walked in it real quick, and my dad had a doctor's appointment, and I was going with him real quick to go take him to this doctor's appointment. And uh, so I just walked in the door, and I said, you know, this is not my style, and I turned around and I walked out. And the Lord said, Phyllis, you better look again. So I said, okay, I'll take just a minute. And I went in, and I looked around, and and I... I said, great. And they gave me this little brochure, and I took it to the house with me, and I set it on the floor. And every once in a while, I'd just look down at it. Well, it was about six months, and I got a phone call. It was from the man that owned the house and built the house. And he said, you looked at my house. Now, get this. I did not call him. I didn't put this into motion. I was busy working on the church building. Okay? He called me. I don't know how he got my number, but he called me. I'm busy working on the church. He said, you looked at my house. And I said, yes, I did. First, I said, I had to say, what house? I didn't know who he was. And he explained it to me. And uh, he said, did you like it? I said, what's not to like? I didn't tell him I didn't like that style, but it's a nice house. It's a really nice house. And um, 
He said, well, would you give me this fart? I said, absolutely not. I wouldn't give you half. I said, we're building a church. I said, it's not that it's not worth it. It's just I couldn't. I, it's not where I'm at. I couldn't give you half that. He said, okay, but you did like it. I said, yeah, liked it fine. Liked it fine. Well, another two months passed by. He called me again. He said, I heard you hadn't bought a house yet. I said, no, busy working at the church. He said, um, you still like my house? I said, nice house. He said, would you give me this fart? I said, no, I told you. I wouldn't give you half fart. Well, that went on. I bet he called me six or eight times. I never called him one time. Not one time. He called me till he got down below half price and said, would you buy my house now? I said, are you going to pay all the closing? Are you going to pay all the title stuff? Are you going to pay all the stuff? Are you going to pay all this stuff? And then do da-da-da. And I gave him a list of stuff. He said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, okay, we'll close. I said, because I don't have any money to close with. You're going to have to pay all this, and then, then I'm not going to be able to get it down and all this stuff. I said, I put all my money in the church. He said, I understand. And he did just that. And we moved into this house. You don't have to have a dime when you do things for the Lord. But you have to put him first. You have to give him your all. Then the blessings of the Lord will chase you down. They will chase you down. We still have that house. Then we got ready to move here. Start this church. We're here. We're renting places for the guys to stay, us to stay, people to stay. I'm still not doing secular work. I'm still doing ministry stuff. Night and day, day and night, we're here working again. Night and day, we're in here. We're in this building. If you'd have seen it before, it was a factory. It... um. I, I should have told him we could have showed you some pictures of it. It had little mini offices up there at the front. When you first walked in up there in the lobby, how many feet? Three feet, five feet before you got to the information counter up there, you know, and then you walked behind it and it had some bathrooms. It was just all chopped up into little bitty, 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 bitty pieces all around and stuff. And then you came back here and it was a few things that were a little bit more open and stuff. But um, we spent some time remodeling this place and we worked on it kind of night and day. And so one day I got out for just a minute and I thought, you know, I'm going to need something close by here. We're renting these houses and the guys are doing all this stuff and, and um, we're working night and day. I don't have time to look for stuff. And, and I, I really despise just throwing money away, renting, because, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're throwing it away to me, you know, and when you could be investing it. And we're working here. So I went over not far from here and... And I, I just drove around for just a minute, and, and uh, I saw this one house, and uh, we walked in it, and we walked just like I had done on this house. We walked in it for five minutes, and Keith said, Phil, let's go. The price was astronomical. And Keith said, let's go. We don't have time to deal with this. Let's go. You know, we don't, we don't need to deal with this. 
So I don't know if you guys have a picture of that one or not. Yeah. And um, so I'm working night and day. Now, how many people would put their pictures of their houses on the... I'm not ashamed of them. God gave them to me. I I didn't hunt these down. God gave them to me. And if you want to write me a letter about them, you better write one to God. Now, I'm, I'm in here working. And again, we get an email after about a year. It goes to General in Branson. And it says, you looked at my house about a year ago. Would you, I, I, this is, I think this is how they said it. I, I would have to get, find the email. But I feel like the Lord wants you to have my house. Would you please come and look at it again? And I asked Keith about it. And he said, well, Phil, I guess we could go look. But you know we're not doing that. What, what they were talking about that house. And I said, I know that. I said, but we can go look. We can go see what they have to say. He said, you go look. (laughs) So I went. And I sat down and I talked to him. And during that year span of time, the lady had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And she went to a Bible study And the lady that was leading the Bible study hand me an offering envelope. Walked into the room. They were sitting in chairs in a circle. This is how she told me. She said she had one of your offering envelopes in her hand. And I had a little piece of paper in my hand, kind of folded and stuff like that. But it was big enough that I guess I must have opened my hand for just a minute that she saw your name on it. She saw Keith Moore on it. And she said, I didn't recognize your offering envelope because I had never seen it. Because it said, you know, More Life Ministries. This says Faith Life Church, but it said More Life Ministries on it. She said, but she recognized the name. And she said, why do you have their name in your hand? And she said, because I want them, I want us to pray today that they will buy my house, that they will get my house. I feel like they're supposed to have it. And she said, look at this. She said, yeah. She said, this is their ministry. She said, that's who I had planned for us to pray for today. Now, some people may call stuff like that coincidence. But there's no way that that's coincidence. So I'm sitting down meeting with them and talking with them. Now her husband, I don't want to give too many personal details, but there were some financial difficulties going on and it was going to embarrass them quite a lot if things didn't change. We bought this house for a quarter 
a quarter of what they had been asking for it. Save them the embarrassment of what it was going to cost them. And that's not even the best story. It's right here, close. The money that we were paying for the rent for the two houses for the guys and for me to stay in, the house was less than that. So we saved the ministry money, and that's not the best part. She said, she walked through the house with me, and she said, we built this. I don't know why we built it, which is my office there today. It's my, one of my favorite parts of the house. She said, me and that Bible study group of ladies are going to come over here And we're going to clean this house from top to bottom. We're going to buy new mattresses for the beds. We're going to buy new comforters, sheets, dishes. We're going to put everything in it. We're going to buy groceries. And all we want you to do is move in. Now, how many of you have ever had that happen to you? Raise your hand if you've ever had that happen to you. One person. They went out and bought you new mattresses and new sheets and new blankets and new dishes and groceries and everything for your house. I'd never heard of it happening before. And I didn't do it. That's what I want you to know. It's about putting God first. I didn't call her. I didn't ask her to do one thing. I didn't ask her to buy a grocery, new appliances in the kitchen, pictures on the walls, furniture completely throughout the house. I didn't ask her to do anything. Nothing. I was too busy seeking ye first the kingdom of God and not seeking houses and things, the things that I wanted. I was busy seeking his things. And people get so wrapped up. I've done it. I'm guilty of it myself. Trying to make the money to make it happen. Trying to make it happen. Trying to figure out how I can do it. Working myself silly trying to make it happen. But the minute that I got so wrapped up in putting God first, Jade, stay where you are. So wrapped up in putting God first. God did that for me. God has given us cars that way. You heard about my Bentley. God has given us jewelry that way. Everything we have now has been just plain miraculous. Now, I don't know about you. 
But I would rather live a miraculous life, me not having to work night and day for the devil. Amen. Working 100% for God and God giving me the very best of the land. Houses they didn't build. Lands. They didn't work. How many of you could use a little bit of that? A lot of it. It's not about how hard you work to earn the money and the things that you've got. Yes, you're supposed to work. Because you're supposed to do what God tells you to do. Maybe you aren't supposed to be building a church building. But you are supposed to be finding out what God said for you to do. Maybe you're supposed to be going to the nursing home every day. Maybe you're supposed to be coming here and doing something. Maybe you're supposed to be witnessing to people. I don't know. I'm not God in you. I'm not... God told Jackie exactly what she was supposed to do, and I can't figure that out for her. Because I'm going to tell you this much. You can work yourself night and day and have pockets with holes in them, Haggai says. Because we did. We've done it both ways. Or you can put God first, and I can stand before you today. And the only thing in the whole wide world that I know that I want is after having people stay with us and us giving up the master bedroom for them all the time, I would like to have another one so that Keith and I could share when we have people stay with us for two or three weeks at a time. That's the only thing I know of that I want. And that's not even for me. It's so that I can give Keith a place to be quiet more when we have people staying with us. Here. And God will give it to me. Don't you fret one moment about it. Don't you lose one ounce of sleep about it. It'll happen. You just... I have no concerns about it. I, I don't know of another thing in the whole wide world that I want. And again, who is it for? Keith. God, put him first. So we can have, I'll just tell you, the Copelands. We give up our room for them to be able to stay with us. Putting God first, honoring. What do you think God's going to do about that? You think he's going to give me a baby? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I will tell you this. He does know what I need more than I know what I need. So I'm not sitting around saying, God, because I gave this for the Copelands or I gave this for this person or I gave this to this person. I never. And, And God, correct me if I'm wrong. I never, ever, 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 now we, as ministry, we have, but personally, me, never designate a seed. Because I ain't that smart. I have blonde hair. And I don't know what I need as much as I would think I know what I need. We think we're absolutely the smartest things in the whole wide world. But we ain't. 
we need. Jade, what just happened with you? Did you not go out and take two weeks off of work and preach for two weeks? Did you see how you were going to get three or four new contracts while you were gone? What happened? I got more than three or four. New you got more than three and you four contracts while you were gone. Yes, I got more than the people that were working the two weeks that I were there. You got more than the people that stayed and worked while you were gone. Uh-huh. And it still happened. It's still coming. Still and it's still coming in while you were gone. She worked greater faith, the whole week of greater faith. They took off and went where? Uh, Costa Rica Rica for a week and ministered. And she got more work and more money while she was gone than if she'd have stayed. And more than everybody that did stay and work. Just last week, I'm going to tell off on Shireen. I just want you to know how God works. They don't like me telling off on them, but I think sometimes people need to understand. Just last week, Keith announced this new project, the International Building. Well, every time they announce a new project here in church, or he does, the girls in accounting go, Oh, Lord General, we got the light bill, we got the phone bill, we got the water bill, we got the this, okay, okay, okay. But Cherie said, Shut up, devil. All it takes is one check. exactly what am I correct immediately she cast it down immediately Tuesday she got a check bigger than the whole basically the whole weekend it doesn't take God long but it what it takes is you not putting parameters on God People put him in these little boxes and he can only do it the way they think he should do it. we got to get God out of this little box your little brain puts him in. And say, God, I don't know where my money needs to go to. When we give to, to ministries and we give to churches and we give to things, we say, you know, we kind of like it to go to this, but use it wherever you feel led. Because we ain't smart enough to know where God wants you to use it. God's smarter than we are. Something may come up tomorrow. He may tell you to do that we hadn't heard about because it's your ministry. It's your life. I'm giving you a hundred bucks and you can use it for this. But, you know, I don't know what God's telling you to do. Do what God tells you to do with it. We've made ourselves be too stinking smart for our own good. What if God would take that seed that you sowed and give you back a house or a, a car or a wife or a or a whatever you need, actually need, and that would really bring joy in your life instead of that hundred dollars you sowed? God don't have to bring you back money. He can give you a house that's worth ten times the money that you sowed. Quit thinking you know everything. And I am not, I'm going to repeat it again, trying to do away with anybody's doctrine about you plant a corn seed and you reap a corn. I'm talking about a different... Brother Hagin used to say it this way. We can go up different sides of the mountain and we see different views. I'm talking about honoring God and having enough trust in Him that we don't have to think that we know everything. 
think that I do. I think that if I give God my all, my complete all, I say, God, I'm giving you everything. I give you my time. I give you my love. I give you my money. I don't care what I have. It's yours. You see something in my closet. You see something in my garage. You see something on my body. You see anything. It's yours. You tell me what to do with it. It's yours. I honor you. And we do that with everything we have. He's going to give you this blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied. It's not because I've done everything right. It's not because we are better than anybody else. It's because we desire doing what God wants more than we want anything else. Same thing can work for you. Very same thing will work in your life that worked in Jade's life, that worked in her life. It'll work in every person in here's life. Everybody's life is at a different level. Find out where yours is. Do exactly what he tells you to do with what he tells you to do. Let me read you these verses and we'll get ready to close. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is Mark 10, 29 and 30. There's no man, it says no man, say that with me, no man that has left a house or a brother or a sister or a father or a mother or a wife or children or lands for my sake or the gospel's sake, but he shall receive a hundredfold now. Now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. The NIV says, verse 30, put it up, Mark 10, 30, or 29, just start with 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel. And he will, refa- will fail to receive a hundred, what? A hundred times as much in this present age. I have received, put that trailer back up there. Put that back up there. Find that thing. How many of you think I've received a hundred times as much in this time? I left that. But you want to know a secret? When I left it, it was all I could do to leave it. My family was there. It was all I had. I thought, what am I doing? I'm leaving everything I have. I'm leaving everything I have. This is all I have. It's just plastic furniture. It's all I have. But if I wouldn't have left that, I wouldn't have the last that I have. But I left it for Him. Nothing you leave for Him 
will you never get ten times, it says, will fail to receive a hundred times as much. I got a hundred times as much as that stinky little mobile home. And if you live in one of them, you don't have to stay there. Amen. I'm telling you how to get out of it. Here and now. First Timothy 6.17. This is our last verses and we're going to close. Charge them that are rich in this world. Say, that's me. Not to be high-minded or trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in that money. But trust in the living God. Does that ring differently to you now? Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The Amplified says this, As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud or arrogant or contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I hope I've stirred you up just a little bit today because I want you to see that God wants you to have everything. And quit thinking you're smarter than me as a blonde because there ain't no brunette in here smarter than a blonde. No, nobody's smarter than God. And that's the part that I wanted us to get today is that We need to trust our Father God more than we trust ourselves. Get back to trusting Him more than we trust us. Get back to trusting Him that if we give Him our all, He's going to give us His all. Can we do it? Stand up with me.